This is Prayer Amid Pandemic, a podcast to encourage and sharpen the church through telling stories of Christians whose faith were shaped by sickness and by praying with fellow believers around the world. I'm Morgan Lee. Since the 1980s, the AIDS epidemic has had deadly repercussions for millions of Africans. The only two comparable outbreaks were the Spanish flu of 1918 that killed some 25 million people and the Black Death, which one historian made a strong case, killed 50 million people in the 14th century. The first diagnosis of HIV in Cameroon took place in 1985. Several years later, the joint United Nations program to combat AIDS, popularly called UNAIDS, reported that there were about 4.8 people, members of the population infected with the virus. This is Elias Bangma, the author of Facing a Pandemic, the African Church and the Crisis of AIDS, and a religion professor at Rice University. There are estimates today that about 390,000 people have died from HIV AIDS in the country. Both the World Health Organizations, UNICEF, UNAIDS, and so forth, describe different modes of transmission, which was not mainly sex workers, as it was thought, or truck drivers. But actually, since most people were not educated about the modes of transmission at that time, it had actually affected the population. And very soon it became very clear that the people at most who were at risk the most were actually young people between the ages of 11 and 18, both young men and women. How did the government react to this crisis? Like most African countries, there was a hesitation in dealing with it because I think ironically, the public idea that was spread, spreading around was that AIDS was something that began in the West. It wasn't something that we had to worry about. But, you know, many years later, I think the, both the government and the Christian churches and everybody in the community realized that we were actually really dealing with an infection, a pandemic that was spreading very, very fast. Many of us remember the kinds of joke when people would arrive at the airport, people at the airport would joke, oh, les sida sont venus, that is a French acronym for HIV AIDS. That was the general belief. But once the Cameroon government and these religious organizations realized what was going on. They began to work very furiously to educate and find ways of combating HIV AIDS. Um, my, my, my knowledge is based largely on what the Christian churches did and especially the Cameroon Baptist Convention. And I do know that it, it became a matter of concern and the Cameroon Baptist Convention Health Board took the matter seriously and began a systematic education, provided educational materials, held consultations with people in different places, and began to speak openly about HIV AIDS and uh, for specifics actually began to pioneer with medical researchers to test different things, come up with a program to deal with children who had been orphaned by HIV AIDS. What was the Cameroon Baptist Convention Health Board and how did they begin? Health work was a core aspect of Christian missions. I mean, one cannot tell the story of modern missions without actually talking about health work. I think even in the 1800s, everywhere missionaries went, they also sent a medical team. 
those mission doctors and nurses and so forth help set out the initial hospitals. In the case of, of Cameroon, the work started when they took over the operation of a government clinic in Banso, which is now called Banso Baptist Hospital. It's uh, regarded kind of like the flagship of the work of the Cameroon uh, Baptist Convention Health Board. But then they expanded by starting dispensaries. They soon got into proceed treatment, which became a major, major key to the extensive disability services now that the Cameroon Baptist Convention offers. And for a very long time, you have a large number of medical doctors and nurses who came and served in Cameroon, some for as long as 40 years. That's the only home they have known. And then they trained. They opened a nursing school at Banso Baptist Hospital, a midwifery school, where they trained their own personnel. And then when the University Center for Health Sciences opened in Yaoundé, some of the doctors were trained there. But it was this collaboration between the Cameroon Baptist Convention, the North American Baptist Conference, a denomination here in the United States and Canada that worked for a long time to build what is also a very impressive healthcare system. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how the faith of the people that worked at the Cameroon Baptist Convention Health Board directly inspired their AIDS response. I think a good example here is the way they responded to the kind of stigma that was going around. When I started research and uh, Professor T is a good friend of mine, I've known him, you know, for a very long time. You know, he looked at me and said, because of the stigma, we actually restrict what kind of access we can give to our patients. But I can give you all our reports, all of our information. And I started to look at all of that. I, I realized that they moved very quickly from doing away with stigma in terms of orphans. They, they didn't actually use the term orphans very much. They, they called those children the chosen generation and began to educate people on accepting them, on providing service to them, and knowing that it is part of the Christian responsibility to treat all of them very fairly. And I think the actions in protecting and making sure that uh, not everybody had access to the patient's records or could just storm in and interview somebody directly and so forth, help significantly in stemming the tide of the discrimination that was happening. And I, you know, consider that a great act of compassion. What theological understanding do you think directly inspired the Cameroon Baptist Convention Health Board's responses? One, one would say probably the totality of the Christian message that we are called not only to minister spiritually to people, but actually that, that spiritual ministry is often grounded in what we do to the physical needs of the people. Education, agricultural work, all kinds of development, social developments, and including the establishment of many health institutions was a holistic approach to Christian life and service which helped shape the work of the Cameroon Baptist Convention Health Board. From my perspective, when I looked at it, I simply uh, look, looked at the, the totality of the human being, the image of God. 
Here's the latest coronavirus news in the world and church for the week of April 6th. While the majority of churches declined to have services on Palm Sunday, some still met across the U.S. This included Louisiana's Life Tabernacle Church, where more than 1,000 people attended. The service proceeded, despite the fact that the congregation has been charged multiple times for violating the state's ban on gatherings larger than 50. Churches continue to be hotspots for local coronavirus outbreaks. In Alabama, after a church service of 10 people met, six of them reported later getting sick. At least 70 people with COVID-19 have been linked to a single congregation outside of Sacramento. As Easter approaches, churches are also attempting to creatively celebrate one of their most important church holidays. Many have joined community-wide efforts to deliver masks, meals, and Easter baskets to hospital workers. Others have delivered snacks to first responders and other community leaders. Perhaps the most unorthodox, Tate Springs Baptist Church in Arlington, Texas, which designed a Minecraft Easter egg hunt. Black churches are among the latest victims of Zoom bombing. Uninvited users have joined their digital church meetings and yelled racial and homophobic slurs, according to a Religion News Service report. For more coverage on how the church is responding to coronavirus, please visit the links in our show notes. The COVID-19 crisis is a global one, so we believe it's important to hear from our sisters and brothers in Christ from around the world. Today, we'll be led in prayer by Lawrence Chia. He's from the Evangelical Fellowship in Singapore. First, may I express and convey the greetings, good wishes, and gratitude from the Evangelical Fellowship of Singapore to our dear sisters and brothers in Christ. Thank you for the joy and privilege of leading in prayer. Let us pray. O God, our loving and heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that you are always ever with us, especially when we cry out to you. We rejoice that you are sovereign and in every situation and circumstance, including these trying times of disease, despair and death. These desperate days will surely see our hearts searched and our thoughts tried. Forgive us for our ever-ready reliance on things and treasures that really do not matter, causing us to neglect and negate, forget and forsake you. We confess and we repent. We pray now both for ourselves and for those anxious and afflicted by this virus. Bless those who care for them, serving society with selflessness and sacrifice. Replace our distressing fears with deepening faith and love for you and your people. Help all to turn to you afresh and again, and acknowledge and embrace our Lord Jesus Christ as Saviour, Lord and God. Amen. Mid Pandemic is produced by myself, Morgan Lee, along with Matt Linder, Mike Cosper, and Eric Petrick. Please help us spread the word about Prayer Mid Pandemic by sharing about it on social media or recommending it to your friends. The best way for you to help, though, is by rating and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts. Our goal is to get to 25 ratings. If you have feedback, please send us an email at podcast at christianitytoday.com or on Twitter at CT Podcasts. 
See you soon.